break 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 You're listening to Breakthrough News, and this is The Punch-Out. We're following the news all day so you don't have to, giving you everything you need to know about what's in the headlines and what should be. And yes, we are back here on The Punch-Out, 30th of August, 2022. Very happy to be back with you here on the show And we got plenty for you here on the show. We're going to be talking about how the climate crisis is hitting Pakistan, which is facing major floods over the past several weeks. Almost one third of Pakistan is underwater. Heavy monsoon rains and accelerated glacier melt have caused massive flooding across the country, but especially in the southern provinces of Sindh and Balakistan. Over 1,100 people so far are dead. 30 million people have had to flee their homes. 1 million houses have been destroyed. 800,000 farm animals have died. 2 million acres of cropland have been inundated with water. And more than 100 bridges and 3,000 kilometers of roads are damaged or destroyed. The devastation is so bad, relief teams are struggling to reach those most in need. Flooding is continuing, although some expect it to taper, but perhaps begin again in September. The crisis in Pakistan has brought new attention to the problems climate change is introducing into the world. It has also put a new focus on the class realities facing nations around the world that make addressing these unprecedented disasters more difficult. That there would be heavy rains in Pakistan right now is, in general, normal. This is monsoon season, and that's when the vast majority of rain, 70 to 80 percent, comes to South Asia. One critical factor about climate change is that it supercharges extreme weather events and also makes them more unpredictable. And this is something that since massive floods in 2010, people have noted is happening with monsoon season in Pakistan and the rest of South Asia. A study from last year noted that for every one degree Celsius in warming, on average, monsoon rainfall will increase by 5%. So not only does the overall level of rainfall increase, which in and of itself increases the flooding risk, but as storms become more intense, the possibility that these massive storms will become more frequent is also higher, and indeed, this month, rainfall in Pakistan has been 780% above average. The reason warmer air causes bigger storms is that warmer air can hold more moisture, about 4% more moisture for every degree of warming in Fahrenheit. What is happening in Pakistan has been seen worldwide. As temperatures warm, big storms are becoming more intense and more frequent. Pakistan's floods are also being driven by increased glacier melt due to warming temperatures. Pakistan has over 7,000 glaciers, the most anywhere outside of the Arctic and Antarctic. Rising temperatures are causing glaciers to melt faster in general, increasing the flow of water that swells rivers, but also creating a major cause of massive flooding, which is glacier lake bursts. As glaciers melt, they form lakes as the remaining ice forms something of a reservoir. But, of course, these nature-made reservoirs can burst. There are almost 3,000 of these glacier melt lakes now in Pakistan, and 33 are at risk of bursting at any time. One actually did earlier this year and wiped out hundreds of homes. It isn't exactly clear how these glacial lakes are contributing to the totality of the floods in Pakistan right now, but it seems like they are playing a role and will continue to play a major role in the flooding risk inside of Pakistan. 
particularly because the issue of glacier melts is being exacerbated by an increase in heat waves that has also been happening in South Asia. In March through May of this year, both Pakistan and India experienced massive heat waves with many of the hottest days on record in both countries. This accelerated glacial melt and glacial dam bursts. Studies of heat waves stretching back to 2010 note that climate change is making these long weeks of hottest ever temperatures anywhere from 30 to 100 times more likely to happen. In fact, even if the planet reaches the goal of holding warming to one and a half degrees Celsius by 2050, it is estimated that one third of Pakistan's glaciers will be gone. So already you can expect over the next 30 or so years, the increased flow of water from glaciers through the massive Indus River is going to increase, period. Major floods will happen more regularly as glacial lakes burst, and that means when monsoon season is particularly strong, which will also happen more frequently now, major flooding like we see now in Pakistan could essentially become a new normal which gives you a sense of the devastation of climate change. If one-third of Pakistan, a country of 220 million people, could routinely have one-third of the country underwater for weeks at a time. This, however, is not only a problem created by Mother Nature. Of course, climate change in general is created by human activity, but also Pakistan, which, by the way, is ranked the eighth most vulnerable country to climate change. The country also has had a long series of governments that have essentially failed to do anything of note to address a range of various crises. Nearly 40% of the population in Pakistan lives in poverty. 60 million people are illiterate. 40% of the rural population has no electricity. 21.7 million people have no access to clean water. 69 million have no access to toilets. And nearly 20,000 children a year die due to diarrhea. The country's social safety net is full of holes, and the government is focused more on the occasional mega-project than consistent planning to address flooding that everyone knows is going to happen. As longtime Pakistani commentator Tariq Ali recently noted, quote, Why has Pakistan, successive governments, military and civilian, not been able to construct a social infrastructure, a safety net for ordinary people? Without which, of course, the suffering in great natural disasters like this is even worse and the rebuilding takes even longer. And there's a direct connection here with some of these things. For instance, I noted how 40% of the rural population has no electricity. Well, one of the big issues that's helping increase these floods is deforestation. And there's a good chunk of that that's happening in Pakistan because people are having to use wood for energy because they don't have electricity. And moving forward on this exact same point, Pakistan has also recently started yet another deal with the International Monetary Fund, or IMF. And this deal is deeply unpopular due to the austerity measures required to receive IMF cash. Nevertheless, government's going ahead. This is the most recent of a dozen IMF loan programs Pakistan has engaged in since the 1980s. These programs have been central to the general way the Pakistani ruling class has approached things since the 1970s, which is more or less to maintain a highly unequal system that depends on high levels of debt from the IMF, the Gulf states, and China to keep the economy just hobbling along. And that also includes generally supporting the Central Asia policies of Western nations in order to give them a material stake in supporting a ruling elite of generals, political clans, and business people who are all wrapped up in an unholy alliance where they all get very rich, but where the country itself makes very little progress compared to its potential. And in some ways, Pakistan's government is probably trying to hide some of its own major flaws by pointing the finger at climate change around the flood. But nonetheless, they should point the finger at climate change around the issue of flooding. And it's certainly also correct for Pakistan and whoever else to raise the fact that countries like Pakistan contribute almost nothing to climate change in terms of global emissions. And that if climate change needs to be addressed, the countries making the biggest negative impact need to make the biggest contributions. And that, of course, is rich nations like the United States and Europe. 
To approach their fair share contributions, rich nations like the U.S. would have to spend $800 billion a year over the next nine years and allocate $3 trillion in IMF special drawing rights to promote debt relief and sustainable development. And again, that's to just meet their fair share based on their amount of emissions historically and contemporarily. The U.S. this year is contributing just $11 billion to climate finance. So as you can see, rich nations well behind the eight ball. So clearly the countries being hit hardest like Pakistan, the Caribbean and Pacific Islands, Bangladesh and others actually have the least responsibility for the problem. So clearly there is no solution here without serious funding for them, both in terms of preventing climate change and promoting sustainable policies, helping to pay for mitigation efforts for the things that are already happening, and also to address loss and damage costs from having one third of the country underwater. So when you look at it all, Pakistan's floods are all part of man-made crises, really. Climate change, capitalist greed, and imperialist resource hoarding. Without all three issues being addressed together, we are not just in for more extreme weather, but also more extreme suffering. That's the punch out for today. We're with you Monday through Friday, 5 p.m. here in New York, East Coast Standard Time, 2 p.m. in Los Angeles, Pacific Standard Time, and 9 p.m. GMT. And of course, you can support everything we do here at Breakthrough News at patreon.com slash breakthrough news. It's your patronage that keeps all of our offerings here at Breakthrough News moving forward. And of course, you can check us out across all your social media platforms, Instagram, Twitter, Facebook, at BT Newsroom.